Well, we don't really need anything else, but since it wouldn't really be complete unless I gave a little show with glasses and sweat and <laughs> stuff like that. But I think we may be spared both the glasses and the sweat tonight. First of all, I want to clear up a mystery. People are confused about this addition thing that I keep talking about. I wrote this little book, and uh, it's called The Axe Laid to the Root, and there's some copies of it back there. And I've made reference to various editions of it. And people are going, well, is this the first edition, the second edition, the third edition? I'm going to clear that up right now. Um, last January of 2007... Um, I was on a trip with Mr. Boyd, Dr. John, and let me tell you, this has been these last three plus years of traveling with those two men have been the privilege of my life. Uh, I, there are no words to describe uh, our time together, both hours and hours and hours and miles and miles and miles on the highway. Um, and being in people's homes, we generally stay in people's homes, which we prefer because we'd rather get to know people on a one-to-one -one basis than be the experts with briefcases that come to town and stay in the motel rooms and don't get to know anybody. And, they, and most importantly, they don't get to know us and know how regular human beings we are. But we get to see each other in our jammies and our bedhead in the morning and all that sort of thing. We have great fun. There's, I've, I've never laughed as hard as the day we were coming back from Texas from Tyler and John told his army stories. Uh, I've never laughed as hard in my life. And uh, I wish we had them on tape. And uh, <laughs> some of them. Uh, and, and being with Boyd... Um, I'm not a TV preacher guy. I don't really like most of those guys. But I've always had the greatest and deepest respect for Billy Graham. And to know a man personally who has been so personally involved, involved with Benny, Billy is a great privilege. And I've gotten to, we, we get to hear a lot of stories. Um, the Billy Graham Association made a great movie back in the 70s called The Hiding Place, which was Corey Ten Boom's story of being hiding Jews and going to the concentration camp. I said to Boy, I said, Boy, did you have anything to do with that movie? He said, Yeah, I did. I said, and he'll never brag on himself. I said, What'd you do? He said, Well, my job was to drive around Corey Ten Boom. <laughs> <laughs> and he told me something that uh, I've always taken to heart. He said, Corey would always say, See those cattle on a thousand hills? And whenever I get in need, I ask the father to sell, sell one and send the money to me. <laughs> It's, I just can't tell you how wonderful a privilege and how enjoyable it has been and how non-religious we are. <laughs> We're just regular guys traveling the country and uh, light goes wherever God sends us. Well, anyway, on one of those trips, we were in Atlanta, Georgia, um, and we were in a meeting and a lady said in the course of the meeting, this often comes up, well, isn't it true we must all inevitably sin? 
I'd never really heard the question put that way before. I know most people think, well, we sin every day, and that's, that's a common thing. But the fact that we have to, which is what this lady was asking, was I never quite heard it put that way. And so, some of you are familiar with me, I write a thing or two now and then. So I started churning, and in the hotel room at our next location, Sanford, Florida, I started belting out an answer to this lady. Well, the answer became quite long, and then it had a part two, part three, and a part four, and I thought, well, heck, I got a book. I can't just sit down and intend to write one, but they can happen accidentally with me. And uh, so we were we were getting ready to have this meeting last year um, in September, and I and I thought, well, I want to take that skeleton of what I did and put that into a book, and it 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 developed a theme of its own. And so I worked real hard and went down to a printer and had it printed myself. And edition one came out. It came here at this meeting last year. And we ran out of these because I didn't, I didn't get that many printed, or we were about to run out, and we were going to go on another trip down to Florida and other places. And so we thought, well, let's print some more. But while I'm printing some more, there were a lot of typos in this. So I thought, well, I'll, I, and Didi was kind and gracious enough to point out all the typos and grammar errors and everything, which I need. I, I'm thankful for that. And so I, she sent me the corrections, and I put that together. And so by the time next last January came around, 2008, we were going on a trip, and we had edition two, complete with a cover. And I thought, well, I really like that, but there's some things about it I still don't really like. And uh, I put some stuff in it I didn't like, and some ways I said some things I wish I said a little differently. And there were still some typos that Didi missed. <laughs> so I thought, well, I'll, I'll fix it up one more time. And also, people were calling it a pamphlet, <laughs> you know, because you know, it didn't have a back to it. And, and you know, a pamphlet's sort of the Rodney Dangerfield of books. <laughs> You know, can't get no respect, you know. So I thought, I want a real book. And uh, those of you who are on my email list know that I've been building up, building, 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 building. The, it's about here, it's about here. I thought I was going to have the new improved tide today or for this meeting, but it wasn't ready in time. However, the third and final edition came today. <laughs> My daughter brought it up uh, from Nashville. Uh, it came to our house there, and so um, it is now available. Not here, I don't have it, but it's available on the Internet, and, uh, and uh, you can call the publisher and order those. And So I'm really happy about that. That should clear up the mystery of the editions. Now, on to what we're here for. I'm going to do something a little differently, if I can do it, and uh, I'm going to talk from Genesis, and, uh, 
And it's about how Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Esau beat themselves, were themselves. I want to talk about those guys for a while. And uh, is Marty Ladder here? No. Darn. Marty has... I, I was listening to Marty tell about uh, her Sunday school class in the church that she goes to and how she is taking the scripture. They're studying First Samuel. And she is able, through sheer revelation of the Holy Spirit to take the scripture out of the common mundane way we always look at it, which is flat, um, cause and effect. These things happen because they acted this way or they didn't act this way. And to see what God is doing in these stories and what God is meaning in these stories and what the Spirit is saying to us about Christ through these stories. And, you know, and Jacob, the story of Jacob and Esau and Isaac and Rebekah is not a story about family dynamics and uh, the ills of favoring one child over another and some such like that. God has bigger things in mind than whether you show favoritism to one of your children or you don't and all of that, all the ramifications of that sort of thing. So let me just read a little of this story, and we'll see how it goes. Okay, I'm just, you don't have to turn to this. Um, I'll read it for a little bit, and then we'll talk and see where we go. This is Genesis chapter 25, and, uh, and, and Isaac, verse 21, entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah his wife conceived. And the children struggled within her, and she said, If it be so, if this struggle's going on, why am, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. James says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of the Lord, and he'll show you. You know, and, I, and, and listen, try that out. God does show us what he wants us to know. And this is what Rebecca has done here. She said, well, there's this struggle going on in me, and I'd like to know what it's about. So she, she inquired of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. And when her days were to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And just as an aside, Esau means red or earthy. And Jacob means tricker, trickster or, or supplanter. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bare them. He was 60. That was young in those days. <laughs> and the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field. 
And Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. But Rebekah loved Jacob. And Jacob sawed pottage. Well, I think that means he, he made lentil soup or something to that effect. And uh, Esau came from the field and he was faint. Now, Esau could hunt, but apparently he hadn't caught anything that day and he was hungry. So he comes in. Jacob's got this big pot of soup going. He's puttering around the kitchen. You know, while Esau's out, Esau's out being a man with his bow and arrow. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And uh, it also means red. And Jacob says, Okay, you can have some of my soup, but you have to sell me your birthright. Now, birthright was his, his right of the firstborn. In other words, you know, they were very traditional in those days. We're not so traditional in our society now. Um, but in those days, the firstborn got the... He basically got the rights to everything. And, and children after that, male children after... You know, women were just married off to another family. But male children after, after the firstborn were lucky if they got... You know, all right, you get a cow, you get a mule... You know, you get that mud hut over there, and then the firstborn gets gets the lot. That was just the way it was done. He gets the he gets the inheritance of the father. Now, understand what the inheritance of Isaac was. Now, Isaac was had apparently inherited from his father Abraham all kinds of earthly wealth and riches because it, if you read the story, you know that Abraham was a wealthy man. He had 300 and plus trained servants in his house. And, I mean, if you've got 300 servants, you're a wealthy man. And um, so Isaac had inherited all that, but that really is not the inheritance of, I, of Isaac. That's really not the birthright that Isaac is passing on. Because Abraham's real goods that he passed on to Isaac, and then Isaac is then getting set to pass those on to his heritage after him, was, In thee shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, in thy seed. And that seed, Paul tells us in Galatians, was singular, and it was Christ, or is Christ. And so Abraham's inheritance, yeah, the camels, the horses, the wealth, the gold, that was cool, but that wasn't the real goods. Abraham's real goods that he passed on to Isaac, and, and interestingly, Isaac became knowledgeable of that inheritance on the day that his, his daddy almost stabbed him with a knife and sacrificed him to God. And that's when the Spirit said both to Abraham and to Isaac, In thee shall all, the seed of the, all the families of the earth be blessed. In thy seed. And Isaac was the seed of Abraham because he was the son of promise. God had promised Abraham a son of his own loins. And you know, you know the story. They thought, Sarah thought, well... 
I'm past the age of childbearing, and you can have a son by my maid, which was not, you know, that was not immoral or uncommon in that day. That kind of thing happened. Jacob did it later on. He had two wives, and then he had two, both of those wives had maids, and some of the twelve sons of Jacob were from the wives, and some of the sons of Jacob were from the maids. But that was a different ball game in his life than it was in Abraham's. But here's Abraham, and God has said to him, I'm going to give you this blessing. First of all, he says in, in, in Genesis 15:1, I am thy exceeding great reward. Not the physical land of Palestine, which at the time he was walking up and down, he didn't even possess. All he possessed was a field that he bought to bury his wife in. The whole time of Abraham's sojourns, the only piece of real estate he actually owned was a graveyard. The rest of the time, he was just staying temporarily in places. He would pitch his tent here. He would pay rent to landlords for the privilege of pitching his tent, or he would help him out what, you know, with... Help him out with soldiering and stuff like that. But he never owned a thing real estate wise. He didn't have any real property. Um, except when, he, when Sarah died and he bought a field. And, he, and it became his, his resting place and Sarah's resting place. That's all he owned. So if the, if the promise was about Abraham getting real estate, he missed out. But it wasn't. The promise was that the son of promise would come. And in that son of promise, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. In other words, all the nations of the earth would be filled some two, three thousand years later on the day of Pentecost when Christ came to be, to sh be shed abroad in the hearts of all men and women everywhere across the, across the earth. That was the blessing of Abraham that was to come. And Isaac was the second in line of that blessing. So that the, then Isaac was then to pass that on to his, you know, to his next in line. And so this is, the, this is the birthright that Esau is selling unknowingly, I, I imagine. He's just hungry. And so he sells his birthright to Jacob. Now, I'm going to mention this and then we'll get back to it later. People start thinking about Jacob at this point as being rather sneaky and dishonest. Oh, look what he did. He tricked his brother out of his birthright. Let me tell you something. Esau was not capable of it. That's why it went to, that's why it went to Jacob. There's a lot in here, and I don't know that I can touch on it uh, on ten percent of it, but that's the first thing that happened in their relationship together. It, Jacob tricks Esau in a sense into selling him his birthright because Esau, all you know, all he wants at the moment is to fill his belly. He just he, and it's just a passing thing, you know. Once his belly's full. 
He'll be hungry again in, you know, four or five hours and want to eat again. What do you do then? Well, of course, by then, maybe you'll have, you know, something else to eat. So for just a passing temporal pleasure, he sold out the birthright of being in the line of, of the seed of the earth that would bless all, or the seed of Christ that would bless all the families of the earth. And he spurned it. And it was, it was just in that action itself that brings out the reality or the truth or why God said the elder shall serve the younger and why you can see Esau was not capable of it. Now, don't draw any conclusions yet. So, we, we come to the next part, and I'm going to skip, skip a chapter. Oh, I love this verse. The end of, the end of uh, chapter 26, and we're going to chapter 27, which is really what I want to talk about. But I just love this because it's so lifelike and so human. And Esau was 40 years old when he took to wife Judith, the daughter of Beeri the Hittite, and Bashamoth, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, which were a grief of mine to Isaac and Rebekah. I can just see that, you know. Oh, those women. Isaac's wife. Oh, they're just, they're just bugging the heck out of us. That's some real humanity going on there in that household, in those tents they were dwelling in. They didn't like those ladies, those girls. But those were the wives that Esau took. Okay, so we go to 27 then, chapter 27. And this is really where I want to get to. And it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so, so that he could not see, he called Esau his oldest son and said unto him, My son, and he said to him, Behold, here I am. And he said, Behold now, I am old, I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver, and thy bow, and go out to the field, and take me some venison, and make me savory meat such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, that, I, that my soul may bless thee before I die. Now, here's Isaac. Now this is a perfectly natural thing to do. They apparently in their society had, you know, there was still something left that, that Esau could have. Esau could still be blessed. Isaac could still convey on him the blessing of the father. And even though he didn't get the, the birthright of the firstborn, he could still get uh, the blessing of the field, the blessing of the crops, the blessing of the hunt, and all the other kind of blessings that Isaac was wanting to bestow on him. And Isaac just loved his stew that, that, that Esau made. And let's understand, this is not a bad thing. This is, this is not Esau so much showing favoritism to, 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 or Isaac showing favoritism to Esau as much as he, him wanting his, his respecting the ability of his son, the hunter. Him respecting the ability of what his son could do. How he's a, he's a man who's gone out into the world and, he, and he, in, in the world in which they, they lived, he, he was a cunning hunter. He was a man who could catch game. He was a provider. He, this is the kind of thing a man respects. So he was proud of his son. And he, and he loved his son. This is nothing wrong with Isaac here. He loved his son and he wanted to give his son his blessing. 
But Rebekah heard it. Verse 5. And Rebekah heard when Isaac spoke to Esau his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. And Rebekah spake unto Jacob her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau thy brother, saying, Bring me venison, and make me savory meat, that I may eat, and bless thee before the Lord my God, before the Lord before my death. And now she gives him some instructions here. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock and fetch me from there two good kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth. And thou shalt bring it to thy father that he may eat, that he may bless thee before his death. And Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, Esau my brother is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. My father peradventure will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse upon me, and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, Unto me be thy curse, my son. Only obey my voice, and go fetch me them. And he went and fetched and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory meat, such as his father loved. I actually made some, I don't usually have any writing notes for my talking, which is why it's so awful sometimes. Um, I've already said that Isaac, or that, that Esau, is not capable of the, of the blessing. He is not... He's not the called of God is really just the bottom line of it. Jacob is the called of God to pass this progeny on down to, you know, when Jesus is born. And, and that, that, that's the line that God has chosen. You see, nobody takes, nobody takes the calling of God unto himself. Nobody picks it up except he's called of the Father. And Esau wasn't called, and the reason, and that's the reason he wasn't capable of it. It's not that Esau was a bad person. It's not that, not that all of these things that we normally think about when we think about Esau. Oh, Esau didn't appreciate this. Esau wasn't, you know, wasn't considerate of his parents. He brought those bad women, you know, to to. He didn't marry uh, the way that Isaac and Rebecca wanted him to marry. He he married these stranger women who had strange customs who. Cause them grief, and and we want to look at Esau and see him as something, something bad and something negative. Uh, what I'd like to submit to you, if I can be, um, Boyd spoke, um, made mention quite uh, quite a few times in his talks, in his talk, to the types and shadows, and I'm going to make some types and shadows here, and um, kind of bring this out. And I hope that it comes out like like I see it. This is really kind of difficult. But if we can if we can just step back from the story a bit and step back from seeing Isaac as just Isaac and Esau as just Esau and the same with Rebekah and Jacob and kind of begin to see them this way and see Isaac. And also these types, let me just tell you that they're, they, they don't remain the same. On the next page in the next chapter, they switch and change. So they're not constant. 
So right now in this story, at this point, I want you to see Isaac as God the Father. And I want you to see Esau as Adam. And I want you to see Rebekah as the Holy Spirit or, and Christ. And I want you to see Jacob as Christ. And with that as our background, we'll go on with the story. Now, Rebekah has just told her son Jacob that, that his father is about to bless his brother Esau. And, but see, now the world and most of the teaching and the references I've heard to this just simply see this as a story of a dysfunctional family. And Rebecca, you know, she shouldn't have favored Jacob over, over Esau. Isaac shouldn't have favored Esau over Jacob. Blah, 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 blah. Well, any woman will tell you that she is more wise than her husband sometimes. And sometimes the, the wife has to rescue the husband from the place he thinks he's got to go. But she has to do it with subtlety and uh, make the husband think it was his idea all, you know, from the beginning. Right, ladies? Am I being, is there any wool being pulled over my eyes here? No, it never happens. But you have to understand that when God calls, it ha it's going to happen. He's going to pull it off. And we're so, we're so concerned about ethics and acting right and whether somebody tricks somebody. Let me tell you something. The devil stole us and God's not above stealing us back. He's not above tricks to steal us back. Because his tricks and his, if he does do any stealing or a little shading of the truth, let me tell you something. It's to bring out life. It's to bring out glory. It's, it's to bring out what, what he is after. And I, Rebecca is, in the, is, is both in the, in, the, in the place of the Holy Spirit here because she knew what God's will was. And God's will was that Jacob was the bearer of the seed that would bless all nations. He was to be the inheritor. He was the one to have the birthright because she'd never read the Bible, but somebody told her he was going to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not Esau. And she knew that. She may not have known it consciously, but let me tell you something, and this is all about us and all about the being of yourself and this thing, is you don't have to know consciously what you're doing to be doing the will of God. You just live in your humanity and, you, and living in faith, knowing that Christ is your life, knowing that He leads you and guides you, and guess what? You may find yourself doing a little trick, but you've done the will of God even if you didn't know that's what you were doing. Because that's who you are. So, Rebecca proves she's Christ in this story, because she says, let your curse be on me. If you're cursed, I'll take it. Well, who can take the curse? Who is cursed for us? Christ is. So she was bearing in herself the life of Christ. Consciously, unco I can't tell you. 
I could just say what the Spirit has shown me about this story about my own life and about living Christ in my life. That whether I'm conscious or unconscious, whether I'm sober or whether I'm beside myself, it is Christ. So, then she said, and then it says, and Rebecca took goodly raiment. The, he, she, she went and got Esau's clothes. Now remember, Esau's Adam. And, and Isaac is God the Father. God the Father loves Adam. He loves Adam. He's the one that clothed Adam in a rough hide and sent him out on the, on the road. And he said, look, I'm going to send you out. You got skin to wear now. Skins. You got sort of an animal thing going on now. You were just bathed in light, and you didn't really have any consciousness of, 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 of the heat and cold and the light and the dark of this world because you just lived in, in the totality of my light. But now that you've, that, that you've come into personal consciousness of the heat and cold and the light and dark and the good and evil of this world, you're going to have to live in it. And you're going to have to walk the path of it. And you're going to have to experience it. But, let me tell you this. There is a Redeemer coming. He will bruise your heel, but you'll crush His head. And that was the first promise of God the Father to Adam and Eve and talked about the Redeemer who was coming, who would crush the head of the serpent who had come in by tricks, tricking them into them thinking they were their own self-gods. They could be wise as God. Only God is God. And our wisdom comes from Him and is His when we recognize it's His, but when we think it's our own, we're tricked. But that's okay. Because that was God's plan. It was God's plan that we walk that path in order that we become the sons of God that He intended from eternity that we would be. He'd already taken care of it in eternity anyway. Because for there, before there was ever one sin committed, there was a lamb slain in the midst of the eternal throne. God's had this sin thing in, you know, in hand before it ever happened. Everybody's so upset about it. Well, God isn't. Because He's got it in hand. But here's a God the Father. And He loves His son Isaac, His son Esau. He loves His son Adam. And He would love for Adam to produce the fruit that He had sent him out to produce. He'd love to eat of the fruit of Adam's tree. And so Isaac is sort of in this unconscious state of loving Esau as Esau should be loved. He wants to bless Esau. He wants Esau to succeed. He wants Esau to become the person that he created him to be or that he produced him to be. He wants Esau to be, be, be raised up to who he really is. Because this, as as. Boyd pointed out, the seed of Christ is in us all. The light that lights every man that comes into the world. So even if we have been overtaken by the power of darkness, we're still not out of earshot of the living God who lives in the middle of our middle. 
So you've got Isaac rightfully wanting to see his son blessed. But you've got a mother who in the who in the knowledge of God knows he's the wrong son and he can't take the blessing. That Jacob is the son who has to have the blessing. So, we know the story. She gave Jacob the meat that she had made. Now, how did Esau learn how to make it? He must have learned it from his mother. But then he got good at it, and so Isaac kept wanting him to make his savory meat. I understand. I love it, too. And so, she, in verse 17 of chapter 27, And she gave the savory meat and the bread which she had prepared into the hand of her son Jacob. And he came unto his father, and he said, My father. And he said, Here am I. Who art thou, my son? Well, he only had two sons. Now, on the phone, when I answered the phone, I have two sons also, and sometimes I can't tell the difference. I can't tell which son I'm talking to. And so I will start talking to the one son that I think it is, and they'll go, no, that's, I'm, I'm John. This, that you think I'm Andrew? Oh, sorry. Because their voices sound similar to me on the phone. But in person, I never get it wrong. So far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so here he is. Isaac is, he, you know, his, his eyes are dim. And, they, and you couldn't go to the drugstore and buy glasses in those days. Or in my case, the Dollar Tree. And uh, they have, did you know they have an optometrist? No, at the Dollar Tree. It's only a dollar. And, and Jacob said unto, the fa- unto his father, Now here he is, he's going to bald-faced lie. I am Esau thy firstborn. I have done according as you bid me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that, that, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, Isaac, he's not so sure that this is Esau. And he kind of, he's, you know, he's going to hem and holler around at this a little bit. So he says, um, how is it that you found it so quickly, my son? Because, you know, he sent him out to hunt. While, he went out, while Esau went out hunting, Rebekah and Jacob real quick went and got a kid out of the flock and, co- and killed it and cooked it. So, you know, they, they were quicker than Esau. Luckily, Esau didn't find anything that quickly. And he says, interesting, he says, and we're, and we're tempted to think this is a lie. And he said, because the Lord thy God brought it to me. Now he brings God into it. And he's lying, it seems. And Isaac said unto Jacob, come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. Now here's where the, you know, this is where the real test is going to be. And this is what Jacob was afraid of. Because Esau was a hairy guy. And Jacob was a smooth fellow, um, you know. And so he, but his mother had 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 made Harry had put some hide onto Jacob, and 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 put hair on him. Janice and I did a thing at a at a, 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 a gong show contest one time, and we were Sonny and Cher. <clears throat> she was Cher, and. <laughs> And I'm a smooth guy too, 
So I had to I had to paste some hair, you know, on my chest and stuff so I'd look hairy like Esau. So I understand what Jacob's gone through here. And so Jacob's got this hand, you know, this this uh, lamb's wool on his, on his arm and so he bring, he comes over close to his father. Isaac reaches out and touches him. And Isaac went near unto Isaac his father and he felt him and said Hmm, the voice is Jacob's voice. Now he's starting to well, what's going on here? But the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not because his hands were hairy as his brother's, brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And he said, Art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am. And he said, bring it near to me and I will eat of my son's venison that my soul may bless thee. He didn't want to bless him till he'd gotten his meal. And he brought it near to him and he did eat and he brought him wine and he drank. And his father Isaac said unto him, come near now, my son, and kiss me. And he came near and kissed him. Isaac is still maybe a little suspicious at this point because it says, and he smelled the smell of his raiment. And he blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of the field which the Lord hath blessed. And then he starts to bless him. Well, see what he's done. You know, he's felt him. I mean, he's got Jacob's voice. And that's kind of like, hmm, it's sticking in his mind. He's got Jacob's voice. But he feels him. It feels like Jacob. He smells him. He, I mean, it feels like Esau. He smells him. He smells like Esau. So he must be Esau. So, and I love this blessing. He says, Therefore God give thee of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve thee and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren. That's the real kicker. And let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. And this is, this is the blessing, also part of the blessing of Abraham, this next part. Cursed be he, everyone that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. See, that was what God promised Abraham. When he told him that in Abraham's seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed, part of that blessing was, and everyone who blesses you will be blessed, and everyone who curses you will be cursed. So this is the, this is the passing along of not just Isaac's earthly goods and, earthly, and his earthly blessing, but he's passing on the eternal heritage of Christ right here. That's what's going on in this story. And it came to pass, as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob, and Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac his father, that Esau his brother came in from his hunting. Now this is where I'm going to stop with the story and tell you what I, I, would, I want to tell you. You see, God, Adam, he didn't, he, he, when, when Adam fell, and we're all Adam, see? We're all Adam, but we're also all Christ because he's made us one. He didn't banish Adam eternally from the garden. He just said there's a flaming sword 
to get back in. Because God from the beginning intended to redeem Adam. It wasn't a, it wasn't a lost cause. It wasn't something that God said, okay, boy, that Adam, I'm, I'm, you know, I made a man of the earth, but that was a failure. So no more man, no more guy of the earth, no more man, no more Adam. It's only going to be the man from heaven. But no, what happens is, is that God redeems Adam. And God puts the man of heaven in Adam so that Adam is raised up into Christ. And Adam becomes what he was intended to be from the very beginning. And so there becomes a union of earth and heaven. Whereas, who was it today that was talking about on earth as it is in heaven? That's the, the Lord's prayer fulfilled. So that... So that what Isaac wanted is the blessing of Esau, but Esau was not capable of it. So, in other, so Jacob had to come and take the blessing in Esau's stead as Esau. Now, wait a minute. Who else did that? Who else comes in our skin before the Father? And he says, well... It's the skin of the human, be human beings, but the voice is the voice of my son Christ. You see, this is, this, is the whole, this is the blessing come full circle. This is the blessing come full circle because God intended from the very beginning, you know, He said, Eve shall be saved in childbearing. What child? The child. The child. The child that has blessed all nations. The seed of Abraham, which is Christ, which is the same Christ in every one of us. That Christ has come into us to be our very life. And to go before the Father in our skin. And to hear the Father say, well, it's the, 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 it's the hands of Esau. I see the hands of Esau. I smell the earth. I smell the fields. I smell the, 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 the dung and the, and, and the stuff that's going on in the earth. But the voice is the voice of my son. And I will bless my son. And I will give him of the fullness of the earth. I will cause nations to bow down unto him. And that's the, that's the story of Esau and Jacob. And it's our story too. Our story is that, yes, we are of the earth. Yes, we work created here to live in this earth and to bless it and to, to work it and to till it and to do whatever God calls us to do in it. But it's not in, and, 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 and in a temporal environment. But at the same time, we're raised to newness of life as not just, not just Christ, but as the second Adam, the last Adam which is not really a different Adam, it's the same Adam that's been made new again in Christ. Because he never rejected Adam. He just sent him out on the road. Said, okay, you got a thing or two to learn. The story of Adam is the story of the prodigal son, and it's all our stories. A father just sits there and waits until his son comes to his senses in the middle of a pig crap God smells in here. And he says, the son says, well, my, the servants of my father have enough to eat. I'm not worthy to be my father's son anymore. But I'll just go and ask my father if I can just be a servant. But the father has, <laughs> he never thought his son was, was 
out of the family. He never thought he was of rejecting his son. He never thought that his son was just out there and 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 that was it. No more. You know, he's got his inheritance. Good riddance. The, the father saw him coming a long way off. That means he was standing there looking and waiting. He knew his son was going to come walking up that path one day. God the father knows we're going to come walking up that path one day. And he's waiting. He's waiting there. And, and not only is he waiting there to, to see us on the path, but once he sees us on the path, he doesn't wait till we get home and give our little speech that we've rehearsed. He runs out to meet us and embraces us and says, Oh, this my son who is lost is found again. And now let's have a party. Let's have the biggest party we've ever had because I w- I've, I've missed you, my son. Oh, but my father, I've sinned against you and I've lost all the money you gave me. Oh, I don't care about that. I'm just glad you're here. I'm just just glad you're my son again because you were lost and now you're found. So be yourself. You can't help it. What else are you going to be? And when you be yourself, whether you try to be yourself or don't try to be yourself, whether you're... See, this, this thing is stacked. Because any way you cut the mustard... If Christ is in you, you are He walking around in the world. Whether you're trying or not trying. Whether you think you have faith or you don't have faith. Whether you're a Bible person or not a Bible person. You can't help being who you are because you can only be who you are. You can't be anybody else. An apple tree can only bear apples. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you.